0: Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosek, and uh, co-host Russell Hanby for What's Making News is back from his little sojourn into, what do they call it, the Emerald City for some reason, (laughs) Russell.
1: they Sydney, is it? The Emerald City.
0: I wonder why why would they call it the Emerald City? I
1: suppose I think it's the jewel in the crown, do they?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, they probably do. Of course, us here in Melbourne uh, would have a different view of it, but we don't mind visiting their lovely city from time to time, do we?
1: No, no, very good. Uh, good place to visit and stroll around, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Did you get down to? I, I really do. I mean, it's lovely down by the uh, the harbour there, isn't it? And yeah, we the rocks yeah, we're, and all that area. Yeah,
1: down Circular Quay and near the casino around there, and then uh, Darling Harbour. It's got quite a lot of good features, hasn't it? Mm.
0: Oh yes, yes, yes. And so you had a good time while you were there.
1: Yeah, caught up with a couple of mates, so we had a good time. (laughs) A Uh, boys weekend.
0: (laughs) Excellent, a boys weekend. and You had no homework uh, for this program, so um, we can get stuck into it. But you could find out why it's called the Emerald City. All right, there's your homework for next time. <laughs> yeah, I
1: thought I knew that was coming when you were mentioning it. Yeah, when, when <laughs> all right, we'll, you're a wake we'll up to
0: me, are you, Russell?
1: Yeah, I'm, I think after 20 years, I, I get to know you a bit. <laughs> this
0: is our 22nd, it was 19, it was August 2001, wasn't it, when we started?
1: Okay, well, that's yeah. uh, just gone 22 years, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, and um, I think we started with our children's program, they were doing some calling for Premier League cricket at the time and, of course, that didn't really suit the kids. So from 2020, uh, 2002, I remember I had a chat with the, the late um, the late David Lenton who was the an icon in a, a, a stalwart at the station and had a great commercial uh, career too. Always uh, was fond of telling the story of how he broke the, um, broke the uh, interview with Ronald Biggs who disappeared to Brazil, wasn't it?
1: And that's right, the great train robber. Wasn't the great train is.
0: robber and David Lenton uh, was the person who got the scoop interview on Radio. David was fond of telling us that story uh, <laughs> yes. as, 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 as he was entitled to, but he came to us and said, look, uh, we'll get the kids to do their own program and they've been doing that uh, on KC Radio for now what? Twenty two years. Yeah.
1: So the old so they'll be well well into their thirties, the ones who started, won't they? Yeah, they? and I think
0: I think somebody who came along a little while later, one of our students, Bryce um I shall he, yep. he spent some time at the station in the various roles and uh, I think he's a professional journalist now, isn't
1: he? Yes, and he, I think he's got a show on, on a, an ABC station down in Gippsland or, a mm. community or something like that. But he says he's a, a journalist with the local papers down yeah, there. Yeah, well,
0: I, I keep in touch with him from time to time. And he always, um, I think as a teacher and a school principal, you're always proud uh, of, of your students' achievements in life. And Bryce is certainly one of those many kids. And getting into radio... Uh, uh, for our school was a good thing, not just for a journalist career, but um, the kids love the radio program, don't That's they?
1: That's right. I can remember years ago when he was in grade six, I visited the school. You showed me around, I think it was to see your, your new uh, audio area you've got there. And Bryce came running up to me, of course, because he was you started as a young kid on radio, didn't he? he on did. Casey Radio. He certainly three- did. Or 3SER as it was originally known all the time, yeah. Yeah. And so and now, goodness me, he's now a journalist and uh, I see his Facebook page occasionally and he's certainly doing well.
0: Oh, and that's lovely, lovely to hear. And anyway, nostalgia aside, getting on with what's going on now in 2023, Russell. um, The Herald Sun, city running on empty. Vic's last to return to CBD office. Melbourne has the lowest return to work rate in the nation as CBD office towers still stand largely half empty. The city also has the greatest variance in attendance through the week, with Friday office attendance up to 30% lower than that recorded on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. Fascinating stats, um, setting this out as quite different to the rest of the major cities, Russell.
1: Yes, and of course that uh, has been the pattern for many, many months really and despite major employers uh, stepping up their efforts to force employees back to the office, the CBD, uh, the office occupancy rate is only 56%. That was at the end of September. Now that compares with Sydney of 75% and Perth, 91%. Uh, Now the peak occupancy uh, does occur between Tuesday and Wednesday in Melbourne. That's 63%, but that compares with 83%. Uh, maximum in Sydney and Perth 96 so we we are well behind those uh, cities aren't we now in in the last 12 months Melbourne's attendance rose 13% now that's well off Sydney's recovery rate they came up from 49% to 75% last year and we're still influenced by the COVID lockdown the uh, ramifications of that we never sort of pulled out of it as regards our work because that's when people had to work from home and a lot of people like that idea still don't they
0: yeah because uh, when you look at the reasons why I mean one might be transport, but then Sydney's not an easy city to get around and commute um, no. and it's it, it gets more congested and us, so it couldn't be that. the other cities are smaller but um but yeah maybe the the long lockdowns we had uh, people haven't yet come out of their shells from that they perhaps yep. as you're right, they prefer that.
1: Now, apparently, uh, across Australia, the attendance is higher in the middle of the weeks everywhere, which yeah. is 76% Tuesday to Thursday. So Monday and Friday, the cities are certainly noticeably quieter and the traffic, accordingly, too, in the, those areas. Now, some institutions have issued return-to-work mandates. Banks, I think, and mm. some of them have done that. And others have linked bonuses to attendance. So you'll get more money if you turn up at work. Um, apparently, though, the Victorian Chamber of Commerce and Industry Chief Chief Paul Guerra, he says Melbourne workers average three days a week in the office and, uh, and for the, across the other states, it's very close to five. So we are, I don't know if we're actually lagging behind, but we, we don't uh, go as often as they do.
0: Yeah, we're either leading the way with this hybrid working approach or we're lagging behind, <laughs> getting yeah, over it. it. It depends on what perspective, ultimately, I think, Russell, that, that you want to take with that one. What would be your take on it? Well,
1: it's, it's an interesting one. <laughs> I, I, I suppose uh, if the productivity is there, still there, because people don't have to commute, maybe people put more hours in from home, then it's uh, probably not such a bad idea in even some professions. But, uh, you know, I think I, I know they're encouraging... It's these, the other alternative is a lot of these city buildings are pretty well empty, you know, aren't they now? But they've got hundreds and hundreds of square metres of empty office space in the week.
0: Yes, it's, uh, it's one of those interesting ones, isn't it, Russell? Uh, um, there's been some studies done, and uh, it's not clear that um, people working from home more actually increase productivity. In fact, some of the evidence suggests it might be the other way around, and certainly there's evidence that um, the culture, it certainly affects culture in organisations not having people working together. So um, it'll be interesting to see where this all... Lands in the uh, in in the long run, Russell.
1: It will, yes. There's a, a lot of people say you know you've got to at least go part of the week to meet people, uh, to share ideas and things. I mean, you can only do so much on Zoom meetings, and it's not qu- quite the same thing, is it, as being in a, a chatting situation with a few colleagues?
0: No, absolutely not. You know, it, it certainly isn't. Moving on, my friend, to um, number two.
1: Yes, this is from the age soaring cost of humanities degree fails to deter students. Uh, One student, Gabby Giles, now she enrolled in a Bachelor of Screen Media program and she pursued the course of her dreams, but there was a catch. Like many thousands of students across Australia, Giles, or Gabby, she uh, enrolled in a humanities course which became more expensive after the Morrison government's Job Ready Graduates Fee Scheme took effect in 2021. So uh, apparently despite the increase in costs, uh, people aren't really being deterred from doing those courses. And she got a job uh, subsequently in video editing at the ABC after a work placement. Now, students finishing their undergraduate degrees this year will be the first to experience the Job Ready Graduates Fee Scheme. Now, this scheme aims to direct students away from courses such as arts towards industries deemed more in need of graduate workers. So, for example, communications and media subjects jumped up to 117%, while price of uh, the price or cost of subjects such as maths and uh, nursing dropped. Uh, now, her debt, Gabby's debt, was close to 37000 but she reckons it could be 40000 by the completion of her course. But even though the costs are doing that to deter people, it's uh, not had a huge impact on the student ch- subject choices. No. A, Melbourne uni- a Melbourne University study of 725,000 undergraduates from 2004 to 2022 showed only 1.5% chose a field they wouldn't have selected had it not been for the scheme. So they kept going. Now, why would they do that? Well, some regard this HEX HELP scheme where you pay down the track well into the future so they don't worry about it now. And the previous fee structure, it was related to expected financial uh, uh, benefits which is what some people wanted to go back to and but and the other thing is they came in in 2021 and many had decided on courses before that scheme commenced so they're going to stay with their humanities or uh, other courses like that
0: well look it's a good thing that people do because I mean the humanities uh, we've got the hard sciences and we've also got what they call the soft sciences you know uh, and there's a place for the arts, uh, the social sciences, the psychology, uh, sociology, politics, uh, literature. The, the, I mean, to, to not have those, I always thought it was a bit of a bad thing to, um, to pick those uh, areas out, Russell, by the Morrison government for, for making the degrees costly because you need a balanced society in terms of the skills that we bring. And a lot of the skills, the soft skills that you get, plus the knowledge from those um, those subject areas of the humanities factor in to um, all, all parts of life. It's not you don't compartmentalise uh, completely, do you?
1: No, and of course by doing that, you sort of some people could get the impression, oh, they're they're not important those subjects. Look, they you know they're, they're favouring the sciences and the maths and nursing and things like that mm. uh, instead. But uh, as you say, it, uh, we need the other humanities and uh, art subjects.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a good thing coming from someone like you who um, who, who did the maths subjects. <laughs> I I actually did too. I I went initially all the way through high school and first off to uni. I did physics, chem, uh, chemistry, calculus, and uh, applied maths. You know the the, no, that, that the was, whole lot. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it was only later on that I I then moved into the um, into the area of sociology, psychology, politics and literature and I'm glad it gave me a good balance Russell.
1: That's right. Well I sort of mainly went into the math science stream by peer group pressure and about year 10 you know you had some uh, mates who were very mathematical and scientific and of course uh, they they sort of talked me into perhaps something that I wasn't quite as eager to do as they were but uh, once I was on on the roundabout as it were I stuck with it.
0: (laughs) Yeah well I, I was good at I was good at it, and of course yes, um I, yeah. was, I remember telling my dad I want to be an engineer, I had no idea what an engineer was, but I knew it was a prestigious sort of <laughs> a, a status job, so to be an engineer, you had to do math science, so I happened yeah. to be Good at it at the time, so it's sort of all. And I like the science, math subjects uh, yeah. very much. So I sort of segued into that. But I'm yeah. I'm quite glad I've rounded out <laughs> my education um, after <laughs> I finished national service because there's yeah. uh, so much to be gained from yeah. the 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 other subjects. There's there's a place for them all. Russell, isn't there?
1: It is. Oh, I can remember the physics classes in uh, well, form six, year twelve, using a slide rule. Yes. The slide rule. Yes. Well, yes, uh, yes they is. didn't have calculus really in those days and they were only approximate things though. but uh, they are on a logarithmic scale and you could add and multiply not add so much as multiply and divide couldn't you?
0: Yep, yep, slide rules they took over from logarithms didn't they?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah the old and laby tables remember that? Yes, yes I remember Uh, That's reminiscing anyway (laughs) That is, (laughs) that is
0: we'll move on and also uh, uh, we learned how to do it from the ground up we didn't get uh, calculators and things to work all these things out we actually had to learn how to do it uh, and understand the process, which which certainly helped. Yes, the next one, Russell from the Herald Sun. Shopping fever in fashion. Gone are the days when we groan at the early Christmas shopper. You know the types, the ones who smugly remark they've ticked off all their Christmas list presents. As you frantically... With furrowed sweaty brow, try to find a spare moment to hit the shops amid the festive season rush. Yes, we've met all those. Oh, I've done it, I've done it, yes. You know, nose in the air. We've all met that.
1: It's never been me,
0: by the way. (laughs)
1: Do you do your shopping early if
0: you can? No, no, no. no. Well, I don't leave it to the last minute, but I'm certainly not running around smugly saying, all done in November or October or God knows
1: when. (laughs) I think some people go on the Boxing Day the previous year and say, right, that's all done.
0: (laughs) That's all done, yes. What about you?
1: No, no, yes, I tried to do things early, I think, but uh, I don't crow about it, you know. Just do it gradually. But uh, yeah, so fortunately, uh, well, fortunately in this case, we don't have uh, too many grandchildren uh, to give presents to. Uh, so um, you know, I'm not as bad. Some people have got many. Yes, they, to do. Give out. they do. They do. The bigger, we, effect, we, I think.
0: I think sometimes people, and we've certainly done that. You rationalise them a little bit rather than uh, having a yes. hundred gifts. Um, the one I can't get over is Christmas in July. You know, I, oh. <laughs> I think that's a marketing ploy, isn't it? It,
1: it is. I think, yes. Yeah, it's, it's probably to try to match the the England uh, Christmas, you know, around the snow, and that isn't it, you know? oh, I
0: think so. And uh, <laughs> and they they mention one here which has come in. I never knew of this one, but it's in now. Black Friday.
1: Yes, that's on. In fact, the Black Friday is tomorrow I think officially uh, when we're doing this but uh, it's been going for a couple of weeks and it spreads out to the black month or so doesn't it and yes. people have, and in fact in this article even though we sort of say oh no we don't be smug early people people are in fact encouraged now to shop early to save on these black Friday discounts and in fact in, they started in America a few years ago and mm. they're becoming more popular here in Australia and in fact some fashion wear and uh, homewares can be 50 to 70 percent off And uh, one of the big stores, Maya, the stylist, Paula Joey, she said that uh, to set a budget and stick to it and uh, use the sales now to buy winter clothes, you you know, so um, that's what they suggest, that it's not such a bad idea, particularly with Black Friday. And looking at some of the newspaper... Um, flyers that come yes. out. Uh, there are some big savings to make, be made, aren't there? You
0: know. Yes, yes. So they're all wanting to get their money. And of course, when the then, when you get to Christmas and everything goes pear-shaped and people don't buy because they've already spent, then they complain that sales are down at Christmas. <laughs> yes, yes. You can't, you can't win, Russell. What's going on with this rail link? We've often talked about this one over the years, and yes. so now there's a bun fight.
1: Yes, the airport digs in amid a rail link fight. Uh, The Melbourne Airport says an underground train station at Tullmarine could be cheaper to build than the Victorian Government's Sky Rail plan for the long-awaited airport tram. That seems to be where they're at loggerheads. Do we build over the ground station or underground? Uh, The standoff threatens to further delay the $13 billion project. Mm. Now, already the Commonwealth Government has committed and the Victorian Government equally $5 billion to the bill. And it's unclear though when work will start, or if the original 2029 opening date will be revised. Well, I think it was, I like to bet that it's not going to be uh, before 2029.
0: I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, bet it's not going to be before 2029 either, and it'll probably be later. And then the cost will be double, isn't that what normally happens, That's Russell? Right. And the government that's in, if they're in later on, if they swap governments, they're caught with the double the bill and they get to the blame for the blowout. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> the, the,
1: anyway, uh. the Victorian government wants a rail viaduct and elevated uh, station in front of the airport terminals. Yep. But the airport argues that an underground station would be better for passengers and enable future airport development. The state government says it would cost $1 billion more to go underground and take two years longer to build, but there are loggerheads on, on estimating things like that. The Treasurer, Tim Palace says the airport wants compensation already of $500 million for the loss of land for any sky rail link. The airport says the underground would be cheaper, so that they're at odds there and yes. attract more passengers. It wants to tunnel boring machines and workers from Northeast Link and the Westgate Tunnel to be redeployed to the airport link. And Joy McDermott, the airport executive, says that um, the underground uh, would avoid the cost of moving utilities and disrupt access roads. What they're saying is if they're building these things above ground, the roads will be blocked and be bent mm. for, and uh, so on. And uh. they suggest that they suggest yeah. the, twin, the twin rail tracks go into a single bore tunnel called a monotube like in several uh, countries and yeah. uh, where it's a bit cheaper to build and uh, anyway the Federal Infrastructure Minister Catherine King is going to now appoint an independent mediator ah, so be, right. yeah.
0: here we go it'll be 25 this will be like uh, the fast train rail yes. fast train <laughs> <laughs> very fast train they'll still be talking <laughs> about in <laughs> this in in 26 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can but see I don't, it. Know whether, um, I don't
1: think I'll be taking
0: too many rides in this train. <laughs> no, neither will I, Russell? This is just the latest bit of um, uh, delaying tactics. I think uh, it'll be another twenty years. Let's move on to the um, something that is that is happening uh, right now in I think it's Norway from the odd spot. Tell us all about yeah, it. Um,
1: it's actually Holland, I think. Oh, uh, Holland. Uh, Police have issued a mugshot for an extremely dangerous escapee in the in the Netherlands city of Tilburg, after being alerted by a local man that he was missing a snake. Residents have been warned to stay away from the two metre long venomous green mamba. Were, but uh, uh, have also been given the comforting news that as a cold-blooded tropical creature, it's likely to be passive if it finds a warm, dark place. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's
0: unlikely to do that. But no, that's right. <laughs> it'll probably find a cool, dark place. Well, uh, yeah, well, that's interesting, Russell. What a note to finish on. Uh, well, let's hope they find that green mamba because they are quite poisonous and uh, you wouldn't really want to be getting bitten by any of those. And you've got your homework, Emerald City.
1: Emerald City, yes.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you'll come up with an answer for that next week.
1: Oh, we'll see how we go.
0: <laughs> we'll see how you go. That was Russell Hanby on What's Making News listeners, and yes, I don't think we'll be catching a very fast train to the airport anytime soon, overground, underground, uh, God knows which way. Uh, catch you next week. Have a great weekend.